0: What is going on, Bullpen Bros family? This is your host, and is back with yet another episode for you guys. What's going on, y'all? Missed you. Happy to be back with you guys and giving you guys the best content I can. Today, we got an NL N- Central talk. You know, we got some fan questions coming in, giving my perspective and my uh, want to know what I think about certain uniforms, uh, my favorite type of cleat, uh, my favorite movie, my ba- favorite baseball movies. You know, that's a very controversial topic with some baseball guys. Um, we got NL Central Breakdown, we're going to go into that We got Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs, we got all the good stuff coming at you guys today um, As of today's recording, we still have not gotten the lockout ended yet Unfortunately, we're still dealing and going through all this So hopefully, by the time I get this out for you guys We have an agreement and we have something done and down pat for y'all um, I'm hoping to maybe break it during, maybe I'll break it during this episode Who knows, I hope so um, I'm hoping to get a notification saying that they've reached an agreement and we get baseball back that would be the best case scenario right now um but yeah welcome back guys thank you guys for taking time out out of your day or on your way to work or whatever the case may be welcome back guys I'm happy to be back with you guys once again um my life's been good you know we got some we got work going on you know not much going on I'm just excited I look this is my favorite part of my day. Favorite part of, the, of everything I get to go throughout my week is looking forward to doing an episode for you guys. Um, other than spending time with family and the girlfriend, um, I love being with you guys. You know, I love talking baseball. I love being able to give you guys my inside knowledge and what I think about certain things. Um, whatever the case may be, guys. And thank you guys for always taking and listening. I really do appreciate that. I've uh, been talking with Shay, and uh, you know, numbers have been going good. I mean, I, th- I can't, app- I, I, that's all a testament to you guys, and I really do appreciate that, guys. Um, but with that being said, you know, we're going to get right into the swarm up pitch. You know, guys, we got another episode without ads, so we're going to be flying today. We're going to begin, your question is, we'll begin this breakdown in, we'll be getting everything you guys want in this episode done, um, because we got no ads, so we can just fly through, which is always fun, always good, you guys don't have to hear me ramble on any more than what I need to. <laughs> so, uh, with that being said, uh, we're gonna roll right into our first fan question, and the first fan question is: Hey, Maddie, what were your favorite cleats while playing baseball? And for me, this is kind of a question. Um, I take I I wore the Nike Vapor Maxes when I was in junior college because those were our team cleat, but I also wore uh, New Balance cleats as well. Um, And then I also wore Nike, uh, I believe they were the Trouts, when I was at Friends my senior year. But the one cleat I will say that has always been my favorite and the one that I always go back to time and time and time again are definitely the New Balances. You know, those things are probably one of the most comfiest cleats I've ever had the pleasure of putting on. Um, Just from the second they go on your feet, whether you break them in or don't need to break them in, you don't need to with these because as soon as they go on your feet... They're comfy, and you can walk around, and they don't bother you. They feel good when you go onto the grass, you go onto the dirt, um, digging in the mound—you name it—it it feels phenomenal. And um, you know, and this this is a cleat that, from the second you put on, you're gonna feel comfy. Um, I can't say the same whenever I put on the Nike cleats; I felt like I was always stiff. Um, my foot always hurt or felt sore, I guess, so to speak. It didn't necessarily hurt. Um, after running, you know, you always feel that in your arch or whatever the case may be. I always just felt uncomfortable, but I never felt that with the New Balance cleats. I always felt very comfortable and very uh, loose, I guess, so to speak. You know, I never felt any type of tension in my feet. Always just felt relaxed and very comfy throughout the day or throughout practice or throwing a bullpen, whatever the case may be. So, um, to answer that question, I'd say my favorite baseball cleat are definitely New Balance cleats. So, if you've yet to try one. Or try those, I definitely recommend it. Those are probably my all-time favorite cleats. I I ever got to put on definitely one of the most comfiest. Next question uh, is, what are your top five favorite baseball uniforms if you had to buy one for yourself? And this is a very, very interesting question because I've been looking actually to get a uniform here. Um... In the near future, I just don't know which one to get, you know, and I'm not going to and it's a New York Yankee jersey, the one I'm pondering about getting. Um, sorry, you know, I wish I I <laughs> I wish I could say I'm looking to get in the throwback uniform or whatever the case may be, but um, right now I just really want to get another Yankee uniform. I have a Don Manningly one um, with the number 23 on it. I have a Babe Ruth one. Um, that's a way Jersey one with the uh, New York Yankees uh, 2009 patch on the sleeve. Um, that one's probably one of my favorite ones right now to wear. Um, but I really want, like, a Core 4 jersey. You know, I grew up watching them. Um, I just really don't know which one to get. You know, I've always been a big petty guy. That's the one I'm kind of leaning more towards. Towards, um, You know, I would get a Derek Jeter one, but, I, like, like everyone has a Captain Juni. You know what I mean? Everyone has a Derek Jeter one. Um, everyone probably has a Mariano one. I feel like those are, like, the most common. Um, I was a big Jorge Posada fan. Growing up as well, you know, being a lefty, I think every lefty wants to be a catcher growing up, um, but then we're told that we can't, and it kind of hurts our feelings a little bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I always loved watching uh, Jorge play. I'll always love Posada. I'll always loved watching that guy play. And he, I mean, I'm kind of leaning towards, it's either a Pettit jersey or a Posada uniform. Um, hopefully by the time you guys listen to this, my TikTok is out uh, for tomorrow, or for today, sorry. And you guys are able to go comment down in the uh, put it in the comment section. When you guys listen, go out to the BDL TikTok, uh, Boys Don't Lie podcast on TikTok. And go comment on one of my videos. Any of them that are out right now, go comment on them and let me know which uniform you guys think I should go buy. Or if anything, let me know which uniform you guys should, I think I should buy in general, even if it's not a Yankee uniform. Uh, let me know some of your favorites. I will even put that in my description of my TikTok and you guys can let me know. Um, you know, there have been a lot of good uniforms, um, to date. Um, one of my favorites is definitely the Phillies blue. Um, I've been thinking about maybe leaning and going to go to Harper, one of those. And that one would look really clean and really nice. Um, that one just missed the cut. That one is not in the top five. So if that one's your favorite, I'm sorry, that is not going to be featured in the top five, although it is really nice and a really clean uniform, uh, uni it will not be in the top five. I'm sorry. Um, but to start the top, top five, I do have Yadier Merlina's Cream Cardinal jersey. And this one is just one of my favorites, just honestly because of the look of it. I've always been a big fan of cream unis. I think they're so nice, so clean. Um, you know, they just give it that type of certain swagger to the, the ball player, you know what I mean? And I think with the Cardinals, uni, uh, Cardinals logo on the front end of it, I think it's kind of just a chef's kiss to the uniform. I think it's so nice. And then I go with Yadier Molina because he's been my favorite player to watch ever since I was a kid, honestly. You know, he's one of the best to ever do it. He is clear-cut probably the best catcher I think we'll ever get to witness, and, uh, at least on the defensive and not on the hitting end. He is kind of up and down with the bat. I mean, he's had consistent years at times. He's gotten better as of late. Um, but definitely one of the best defensive catches I ever could see. I will always remember that game where I saw him do a back pick. He cleaned it backhanded um, on a wild pitch and backhanded picks it and guns the guy out of first base without with any ease, with ease. Um, and I never saw another catcher be able to do that. You know, still to this day, I don't think there's a guy out there that can that can compete with Yachty on the defensive level. I really do not because I think clear cut that guy calls a great game. He catches a great game. He's a wall behind the plate. Um, he's the leader in the clubhouse, and he's the guy that you want behind the dish being the captain of your team. And um, that's why I'm going to go with Yachty. Yachty is the guy that I've always loved. Um, at number four, I actually so scratch that. I'm going to switch it. I'm going to switch. I'm going to go David Wright's Mets black uniform at four. I'm going to switch it only because I feel like now looking at it, number four should honestly be, honestly be number three just because of the type of quality that uniform is. At number four is going to be David Wright to match black uniform. This is another guy I honestly really loved watching growing up, even though he was a crosstown rival with me being a Yankees fan. Um, I just felt like he was a guy that on the Mets, he always just felt the captain role. You know, David Wright was a guy that you looked up to, you know, he was a good role model on and off the field. Played hard on the field, and unfortunately, a back injury uh, ended his career and cut it short, that shorter than what he probably would have liked it to. Um, but all around, great player. All around, just at least on the surface, looked like a great guy. Um, he was Captain America on the USA team, you know, and you know that USA ball club. He led it, you know. He was a forefront of that team. You know, you had great guys, great other superstars on it, but he was Captain America, and that was a given, and everyone knew it. Um, I loved watching him, you know, and (laughs) my dad will probably attest to this, but even when I was a kid, you know, I watched a little series on Rick and junior on when he would go through slumps, he would go and change his batting stances. And my dad would get so upset because I adapted this type of mentality. And one of the batting stances I would do was David Wright, his little lean back, kind of nonchalant, you know, little, movements that he would do in the box i <laughs> i took to it and my dad couldn't stand it because he would just get so upset with me and just be like pick a pick a batting stance already maddie come on you get so upset and um it was something that we still always talk about today and uh i always found it funny because to me I, th- I thought it worked you know like in my head i was like okay well this batting stance isn't working let's go to something else you know and you know if it would have worked, then i would use the term if it ain't broke don't fix it type thing you know what i mean But uh, if I was slumping and I was not being able to get a hit, I would just throw away the batting stance and go to a different one. (laughs) It probably wasn't the mentality to take as a young kid still learning the game, but um, it's what I took, and I can see now being older, I can see my dad's argument. I can see where he was coming from. Um, But, yeah, no, that's a little fun backstory for him. But I've always loved the Mets' black uniforms. I always thought they looked clean. Um, I probably will get some backlash from my mom for getting that um, if I end up doing it because – I don't know if it'll actually look good on me. I am a, kind of a I'm Mexican and I do have a really dark complexion, so I think it's gonna make me look a little darker. Um and I know she won't like that, but you know, it is what it is. Maybe I'll get it behind her back or something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um but uh but no, I've always loved that jersey. And then at number two. I think this is probably one of the best ones out there right now. It's undoubtedly the best City Connect uniform, and that's the White Sox one. You know, the south side, across the the front of it, you know, just the swagger it has behind it, the look, the toughness of Chicago, you know. I think the MLB or whoever designs these City Connect uniforms hit it right on the head. You know, I think these ones are probably one of the most cleanest uniforms you'll get, and these are one of the uniforms I know I want to get. Who whose number I'm going to get is still the question. I really don't know yet. Um, I don't know who I want to get, what player I want to select, but this is definitely uniform. I definitely need to have in my closet, without a doubt. I don't care who vetoes me or whatever. I'm going to get this jersey because this is just a one of a kind type look. It's very tough, you know. It's very clean, uh, and it's just it's just a really good swagger type uh, uni, and I love it. Um, and at number one, my all time favorite uniform that's uh, on the top of my to-do list to get is the stroman usa graphite gray jersey um this one is probably my top of the one for many reasons um mainly you guys are think i'm weird when i say this but my favorite color is actually graphite gray <laughs> and you say you're like that's such an odd color why is graphite gray your favorite color you know i don't know um i've always been attracted to that type of color i love uh just the look of it you know especially when you put it on a usa baseball uniform I think it looks so clean. You add it on with the gray pants, and then you have the accents of the red, white, and blue on it. You know, the USA logo across the chest, blue numbers in the back. I think the whole look is just phenomenal. And, you know, I actually got to go to the game where Strowman finished it out against Puerto Rico, and he threw an absolute gem. You know, probably one of the best games I ever got to get. I got a chance to go to, a once-in-a-lifetime type thing for sure. Um and it was definitely a spur of the moment thing. You know, back when I was this game happened back when I was in JUCO. I believe it was my sophomore year of JUCO. And I can't remember if it was during it was definitely during season, I want to say. And we had a game either the next day or the following day. And in the spur of the moment, you know, USA won, they were in the championship. And we're like, dude, we got to go, right? Like all of our teammates are like, we can't miss this opportunity. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So we went on and asked our coach at practice. I can't remember if it was at practice or we just texted him. And because we had to go, we had to buy tickets. Like we had to know what we were going to do. And we texted our coach and our coach was like, yeah, go ahead. Um, You guys have been playing great. You earned it. Uh, Go ahead and go be safe, be responsible and be smart. You know, obviously in season and being able to go that far, you know, Letting your players go is kind of something that not a lot of coaches would let you do, but uh, he was a great coach, and he allowed us to do it. Um, And, you know, it was was a moment that was really cool and really fun to experience with a lot of teammates that ended up going. Um, You know, even though we were all the way in the nosebleeds, I was all the way in the nosebleeds, all the way up there at Chavez Ravine and Dodger Stadium, being able to look down the field, experience it, be there with Puerto Rico fans, seeing how – into what they were although the score like their team was losing and they were still having the time of their life you know and there's not a lot of teams to where especially in them will be to where you'll go to a game and it's let i'd say like a yankees versus athletics you know and the yankees are winning late in the ball game and uh you know you're trying to just get into the game and then maybe a a fan chirps at you whatever and says Something to you, like you're. It's just got. It's just something that didn't happen at that game. It was a great baseball environment, great time to just be a baseball fan. You know, you got so many stars on the field. You had, you know, you had Baez, you had Stroman, you had Nato, you had Hosmer, you had Jones, you had all these big time names, and you got to see them all on one field. Bring home the gold for the U.S. You know, it was a really, really cool time. Really, really great experience to go and do and I'm looking forward to hopefully they get it done. I could be able to do it again. Now um, they canceled it indefinitely as of right now, just due to the pandemic, which is completely understandable. Um, but I'm hoping we get to see it back, you know, especially with the Olympics being able to go on and everything right now. I'm hoping we can bring it back and allow um, this type of baseball environment type of field to come back into the, in the game, you know, cause I think it's something that's definitely missed. you know, just being able to get all the countries together, get the best of the best out there. And you know, just essentially just put on the show, you know, play for your country, play for the pride that comes with playing on the front of the uniform, you know, and, um, you know, my favorite line is that the name uh, from the miracle, you know, at the Olympics just behind us, when um, Coach Herb says that the name on the front means a heck of a lot more than the name on the back, you know, that couldn't be the, I mean, it couldn't be any more true. Honestly, it comes with any team you play for, you know, you should always be playing for that team on the front of the jersey and not yourself, you know play for the guys around you, play for your country, play for whoever you're playing for. You know, it's, it's more than just a game, you know? And, um, you know, you'll hear a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of you baseball fans and guys, people that are listening, um, you know, you hear that a lot, you know, but it's, it's definitely more than that to a lot of us that are fans because we have that emotional attachment, you know? Um, we get wild and we cheer for these teams and, you know, it's just, sometimes it's a distressor, you know, it's our, it's our way of, um, being a part of a different life and being able to, in that little span of three hours, you're cheering on a team and you're forgetting all about the past or what's going on or struggles you're going on through your life because you're watching uh, Stroman deal in a game to win the gold medal for the for the U.S. You know what I mean? Um, it's just it's just a an environment and type of experience I really loved and something I want uh, jersey to represent that and um, be able to showcase exactly what the game of baseball meant for myself, you know? And, um, so that's why that's number one. I just realized I skipped over number three because I had David Wright at three. (laughs) Um, that's all me guys. Um, but at number three, I guess I will close it out because he is probably one of the best to ever play. Um, and that's the Teal Ken Griffey Jr. Mariners jersey. This jersey to me, I think is just very iconic for the Griffey name, um, You know, just the look, the whole clean, teal look of the Mariners' uni, I think runs really nice with the Griffey number 24 and then the last name on the back. Um, You know, I think this is a jersey I really just want to get just to to have the kid in my closet. You know, he was one of the best to ever do it. I just recently watched the documentary about him. I can't remember if it was a documentary or if it was a series. I think it was just a documentary. Um, Showing him throughout his career with his dad, you know, having the home runs, the say uh, the home runs in the same game and then going through the struggles of being away from family once his dad retired and which ultimately led to him being traded the Cincinnati Reds to be closer to home and then going through all that his injuries the battles he sustained um, not being able to stay healthy because he just wanted to play so he was um, not always being a hundred percent you know he was going out there and giving you giving putting on the best show we can and playing hard day in and day out, even though he wasn't all the way healthy, and seeing the wear and tear that took on him, and then seeing his ultimate comeback to Seattle, um, in the end, you know, I think it was really cool to see and very fun to watch, um, on the TV and just seeing everything that went down. And I really have much respect, except for the guy, except for the guy that voted him, didn't vote him unanimously into the Hall of Fame, but that's a different story. Um, I really love this jersey, and that's definitely – this one's probably definitely tops up there amongst um, my favorite jerseys I want to get. Uh, Like I said, it's ranked number three. I did bypass it because of the other two where my whole list was, but it is sitting at number three right now. Um, Like I said, the honorable mentions, though, are definitely the Phillies one. If I had to pick another one, it would probably be – I don't know. Probably the Phillies pinstripe or the Mets pinstripe. I think those are always really clean uniforms. Um, oh, the Diamondbacks, oh, like early 2000s uniforms, the gold and the purple, uh, with the Arizona, or with the A on the left shoulder, those were always really, really cool, I really enjoyed those, maybe get like a Randy Johnson one of those, that would be, that one would be really sick, um, but yeah, those are probably like my jersey, all the jerseys I really have always been into, always liked, um, another one is, uh, probably the, I would probably get an orange Miami Marlins uh, Fernandez jersey I thought those ones were always really nice Um, those were always the ones like if I was playing like my little cousin and MLB will be the show I would go and pick the Marlins and I would choose the orange unis with the black hat and you know kind of just go all out with it because I thought it was different you know the orange uniform something that we never get to see in MLB ever since we've been alive and then once they read Marlins did that rebranding changed their logo changed their um, uniforms, the color wave, and all that—like it was—I thought it was really cool. I was a big fan of it. I don't know if many of you guys are. Maybe I'm just a little odd. I mean, my favorite color is graphite gray, so <laughs> could be could be a little skewed. Uh, take my opinion for what it is. Um, but yeah, no, those are probably the, my favorite jerseys uh, to answer that question um, that I would buy right now. Um, leading into it, we're going to get into probably a little bit of controversy here. Um, you know, I think every baseball fan. Uh, Has their top five movies that are their go to movies that they um, can put on and watch time in and time out. You know, I think that goes to any baseball movie for me, though. Um, You know, whether it be Bench Warmers or, um, shoot, I don't know, any baseball movie. Uh, Eight Man Out, that's another good one um, that can easily be in this list. Um, But anytime those movies are on, it's always just I have to sit down and watch it, stop whatever I'm doing. And put it on because this is a, those are always just great baseball movies, um, and these baseball movies I think hit differently for a lot of people. And you have your list for your reasons, you know what I mean. And so I'm going to give you guys kind of like I did my top ten favorite players. Right now, I'm going to give you guys my honorable mentions leading into my top five, and then I will go into my top five a little bit more in depth, letting you know why they're why they're my top five, like why. What scenes, what meaning they had to me, um, and just uh, that type of thing. So leading into it, I have the natural. Um, this one's at number ten, um, only because you know I I don't think there's much of a storyline there. You know, you got Roy Hobbs and the whole entire outline of the thing he goes through throughout his whole playing career, and um, you know you've got the pick me out of winter, Bobby, and then he hits the ball up into the. End of the lights, you know, probably one of the most iconic baseball movie scenes ever, um, and that's always just one of one one of the ones I always held true to my heart as well, just because that's the first movie, first baseball movie I ever got to watch with my grandpa. You know, he's the one who actually uh, showed me that movie, and uh, you know that one's always going to hold a special place in my heart um, for those reasonings, just because I have that sentimental attachment to it because of my grandpa, and um, but yeah, so that's number ten. Number nine is going to be 61. I thought this movie was really great. It's the it's about the race between Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris and seeing the things that they go through throughout the whole race, the ups and downs, the stress, the pressure that they felt that were had on them because there were Yankees chasing after Babe Ruth's record, which is something that no one ever wanted really to happen because he's the babe. You know what I mean? Like you don't go break his record they are playing in the house that Ruth built. <laughs> like, like, what are you doing guy? Like are you asking for a curse to be put on you or what? Um, but this is a movie that I can put on time and time again. Um, I just love the sequence of it because Rogers is the guy coming from Kansas city. You know, he had put together a great career or a great uh, season with the Yankees the year before. And then winning most valu- or wins most valuable player the year before and then goes up and then plays with Mickey and they have this duke it out, the Eminem boys and, You know, the commissioner wanting to put a rule in place to where it's a single season record, you know, and um, Roger, unfortunately, passed before the rule got lifted to where his record actually stood alone up until Barry Bonds broke the record at 73 home runs, you know, and, you know, it's just it's just a really good movie. I think it was just a good documentary to showcase what these guys actually went through throughout that time. And then and they get a lot of hate probably for this, and I'm sorry <laughs> ahead of time. But I have at number eight, The Sandlot. Um, as much as this movie means to a lot of us that are probably listening as kids, um, you know, with Smalls, yeah, yeah, Benny, um, Ham, and all of them, like this movie, I just watched it the other day actually at work. Um, it's one of those movies to where it can be on and I can listen to it on mute and still know exactly line for line what they're saying. And, you know, this is always just a feel-good movie. It's always a movie that's going to remind me of my childhood. And, um, you know, look back on it and just always know that this is a movie that's going to be there. And, you know, very many co- iconic scenes. You know, you got Wendy Peppercorn at the um, the, the pool, you know, and the whole squints thing. Uh, <laughs> the uh, My favorite scene is probably the 4th of July when the ball gets hit in the air and you see all of them kind of looking up in the stars and looking at the fireworks you know seeing it all because of the meaning that it meant to them you know they didn't play night games playing at the sandlot you know this is they knew that this is probably as big of a night game that they're ever going to play you know and they took it every every day they went out there and they played the game that they wanted to, that they loved for those reasons you know and but you know in the top five my top five are my top five for many reasons so sandlot had to be here um At six, I have, I'm sorry, seven, I have a league of their own. I have a league of their own just because I think it was a good representation of baseball during the war. You know what I mean? And uh, showcasing, you know, some of the things that these women had to go through and the type of thing that in the movie that, you know, although many of their husbands were fighting, you know, they stepped up and to provide entertainment basically for us. You know, they had it rough. You know, they went and played double headers, drove the bus all night just to make it to the game the next morning. Um, it was just a really good movie. I think Tom Hanks plays a really good role in this, playing the manager, and seeing him turn his, his life kind of around throughout the process, seeing the, how much of a effect the girls had on him. Um, this is just an all-around great movie, and it's a movie I can watch and over and over again. Um, number six, I have Mr. 3000. You know, I think this is, um, this one's a very interesting movie because you have Stan Ross played by... Bernie Mac, and he makes his whole entire life off of his 3,000 hit, and then it comes out that he's missing, I think it's it's either a couple of bats or a couple of hits that didn't count for whatever reasons, because I don't remember what the whole reasoning was. I probably should have looked this up once again, but um, I'm kind of just going off the top of why I wanted to give you guys my true feelings behind these movies on what I thought, so I didn't have any notes down on any of these. But Mr. 3,000, Stan Ross, you know, he ends up – Missing a couple hits for whatever reasons, and he goes back thinking he can go back and get his hits easy. You know, it's going to be easy to go back at my age. You know, I still got it. I can still do these things. I'm staying Ross. So I can do this. And he goes back, and it's a lot harder than what he thought it was going to You know, the game's changed, you know. Um, back when he played, the well, Brewers had the DH, and now they don't. You know, he had to play the field. And if he wanted to get out of bats, that's how he had to do it. Um, and it shows him as a young player, you know, he didn't have the right attitude. He didn't have the right presence. He wasn't a team guy. He was a very self guy and very conceited with himself and only did things for the great, greater good of himself, not about the team. And it's really cool to see the type of turnaround he had because I think he realizes that, you know, without, guess I guess like, this record of 3,000 hits is something that's really cool to have. Something great to be a part of, you know, be a part of that 3,000 club. Um But ultimately, it doesn't mean anything if you don't have people around you to share with or have people around you at all. And and I think he learns that character and the virtue of team play is honestly bigger than self. You know, you can be all about yourself, do what you can for your team, but it's ultimately all about your team. And the character that you show on and off the field, being there for a teammate, you know, being that light to others, being that role model busting your butt time in time out hustling on and off the field, you know, and I'm kind of going off track and going into character type things that coaches look for. But honestly, I think that's what this movie shows. At least it's what it showed me when I first saw it. You know, it showed that, you know, you need to be a teammate and not care so much about what your accomplishments are. You know, help people around you, help people around you be better. Because ultimately, if you're better, if you help someone else be better, your team's just going to be that better off for that. You know what I mean? So... Mr. Three Thousand, I think, is up there shortly because I was on the top five. Just how much it showed me and built myself up as a person who I try to portray as a player. And um, but yeah, so that's going to be my honorable mention. Now we're going to get in the top five. Um, At number five, at Major League, I have Major League up there because I think this movie is just very funny. You know, it's it's something that always provides a good laugh. It's a very mature movie um, for you. If you're a young listener listening to my podcast, um, be sure to get parental supervision for this. But uh, it's a great movie. Uh, all around great film. You know, you got Charlie Sheen in there who plays Wild Thing. And then you got just a bunch of other characters. My favorite is still the spring training scene, you know, when they all arrive. And Serana shows up and, you know, they're like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> and then Wild Thing pulls up on the bike. And then you got, uh, you know, just uh, just the way they're all coming in is just a freaking funny, you know. And, um, you know, Air- University of Arizona does a really good job, really good bit of this. And I thought it was really funny the way it all was all portrayed um, with them doing it. But that's number five. Number four, Field of Dreams. I think this is just an iconic staple in baseball film um, with Kevin Costner. The guy that plays literally every baseball role and is just an all-around great actor, you know. And uh, he builds a – his farm is doing bad already as it is, and he gets this vision or hears a voice in his head telling him to build a baseball field. If you build it, they will come. And the people that come are the White Sox that got caught for the cheating scandal. You know, Shoeless Joe Jackson and how they got banned from baseball. And you ask him, hey, can I bring my friends here? Next day they come out, uh, or actually, sorry, builds a baseball field. He comes out, and my, me and my dad always jerk around. that's probably one of our favorite quote that we get to say with to one another. Um, back when I was playing, he would always thought he can hit me, and so uh, we would always use uh, the quote, "See if you can hit my curve," <laughs> because it was just such an iconic quote. And then Shoeless Joe ropes it right back at him. You know, it's just a really good feel good type scene, you know, and it's something my dad, have, dad and I always joke around with, and um, it's just a movie, like I said, it has a sentiment, sentimental attachment to me, just because I know it's a quote that my dad and I have always said to one another, um, but it's just all around a great film, you know, and um, Kevin Costner does a great job in it, you know, and getting everything, um, you know, from the effects of it, you know, the field, now they made a, a game out of it, and then we'll be... Yeah, the Field of Dreams game, to where they actually built a replica, almost essentially, of a life-size Field of Dreams, and now real major league players get to play out there, out in Iowa, and it's a really cool thing. I I, and I thought it was a big thing that the MLB started doing is just growing the sport, getting more people involved in it. You know, I think it actually ended up being like one of the most viewed um, games throughout the whole year. I think it was um I think I want to say it ranks up there like it's either the top one or in the top 3 I want to say. I know it had a very high rating um when it when it happened um with the Yankees and the White Sox. Unfortunately my Yankees lost in that game, which upset me cuz it had a very lot of emotion in it after hitting a home run the inning before. Oh, man. Um anyway, we're not going to get into that. I don't want to cause myself any more emotional damage than I already have at being a Yankee fan, but uh <laughs> But yeah, no, they're definitely a number four. Um, number three have yeah, Moneyball. Moneyball is up there just because this is a movie I can watch over and over again, you know. Um I thought it was very interesting just watching because I never knew this, you know. I read the book um before seeing the movie. Um and just knowing the type of things that they went through as far as you know going away from the norm, you know, and knowing that Billy went out there and tried to get the money from his owner to go on and build a better team, get him closer to that that type of championship type caliber team. But the owner was just uh, honestly just didn't want to give him any more money than what he already had, you know, and he, you know, you see in the scene the money, ball, he says, you know, I need you to be okay with making a team out of the money you do have, you know, and getting guys that we can afford. And he Billy was like, "I get that, but if you just give me a little bit more, I can get you that guy." And that's when they end up losing out on Damon, Giambi, Isrinhausen. You know, they end up losing all these big-name guys that were on that A's ball club. You know, but then they are able to piece together a great ball club. You know, you end up bringing in Eric Chavez. You know, you have uh, Jeremy Giambi. You bring in David Justice, you know, Scott Hatterberg. And <laughs> my favorite scene is still that whiteboard, uh, like, when they're going over and they're discussing – the three names that they're going to bring in to replace Damon and Giambi, and um, and they're sitting there. And he's like, "Oh, David Justice, Jeremy Giambi." They're like, "Who?" And then uh, they go, Scott Hatterberg. He goes, "Who?" Exactly. Sounds like an Oakland A already. <laughs> he can't throw because he Scott Hatterberg had a um, non-repairable nerve da- damage in his elbow that caused him not to throw the ball. That's why he no one was. Uh, banging on his doorstep to get him on their ball club because he couldn't throw the ball. He was a catcher that couldn't throw the ball. And, I mean, that's kind of a big job if you're behind the dish, if he's <laughs> throwing the ball and being able to throw guys out. And if you can't do that, well, then you are not going to have a job, sir. Um, and then uh, Ron Washington, the guy portraying Ron Washington in the movie, um, then asked the question, you know, Billy, that's all great and everything that you're doing is cool, but not one of those guys – can and play first base and then he's like well we're gonna have to teach one of them teach well what which one and then uh they go to scott hatterberg's door you know they give him the phone call and uh you know it's all it's a big surprise of uh billy bean being at the doorstep you know the whole scene is really good and just knowing that they went away from the norm you know didn't listen to the critics you know they just stuck to their guns and believed in what they believed in and all around great movie um, if you've yet to see it then highly recommend it I, I also recommend any of these movies I talk about on this list you know because they're what are my favorites for a reason and um, but yeah I think moneyball is definitely up there just because of the whole story and the whole storyline just behind it is good um number two for me is uh 42 the Jackie Robinson story this movie is is just a great film you know great well put together showing the segregation that was going on in baseball you know there was no african-americans able to play um in major league baseball as part uh it was a white sport you know it wasn't had it didn't have any minorities in it and you know jackie robinson being able to break the color barrier was big and allowed i mean honestly a lot a lot of us to play it allowed me to play the game of baseball and you know he's a guy that i look up to even still to this day even after he's passed and long gone i think a lot of us um that that know and understand the story are very thankful for it you know and um you know just seeing the battles he went through seeing the struggles he went through um the type of stress it put on him um emotional damage it put on him dealing with got hecklers you know uh the racists in the stands the um just all around the stuff that he had to deal go through i don't wish upon anyone you know and um luckily we're able to play the game of baseball now and, and it's ultimately due to him, you know, and the, this film's definitely, I think does a great job of showing that. And, um, it's just a great film all around. And it's definitely one of my favorites. Um, and I can watch this movie time and time again, just because it always is a really good feel good movie. Just knowing that he's like, you know what? You give me a number on my back and I will give you everything I have, you know, just showing that type of guts and type of, uh toughness it took to go out there and do what he did that I don't think anyone else other than that would be able to would have been able to um so I'm very thankful for that movie and I love that movie just because of what it provides for a lot of us and understanding what the type of thing that he had to go through although it probably didn't show everything he went through because I wouldn't doubt there were some things in that excuse me sorry I wouldn't doubt there are some things that they weren't able to show on the big screen you know and um you know, and it's unfortunate and it's very sad. Um, but I'm very grateful that, you know, because of him, I was able to play the game I love. And allowed a lot of us to be able to play the game we love. Um, but moving on, uh, this is another very mature film. So uh, my number one is Bull Durham. You know, I think the mound visit scene when, <laughs> when uh, once again, Kevin Costner uh, goes out to the mound for a mound visit. And he's like, hey, what's going on? And the pitcher is kind of all up in his head because his old man's in the stands. He's like, It's your old man. He's seen you pitch a thousand times, like, basically just telling him to get over it. And then the first baseman comes over um, and is like <laughs> he's he goes, Hey guys, don't throw me the ball. My glove has a curse on it. And he's and he's like, Here, give me the dang give me the dang glove. I'll take the hex off of it. He's like, Well then you have to cut the head off a live rooster. And then someone else comes and he's like, hey, did you hear? Millie and so-and-so got engaged. And then <laughs> the whole whole mound visit just continues to go on. The head coach sends a pitching coach out there. And then uh, he's just like, hey, what's going? what seems to be the problem? Well, so-and-so is all up in a wad because his old man's here. So-and-so has a hex on his glove. And then no one seems to know what to get Millie and so-and-so for their wedding gift. And then <laughs> the whole entire conversation goes on. And I just always find it to be very funny. I've seen that movie time and time again to where it's just one of my favorite ones. I watched it on multiple bus rides at, uh, F-C- at Fresno City College and then at Friends University. You know, they were always just movies that we would always put on on bus rides just because they're very iconic, I feel like. They're just very feel-good movies. Um that always give you a good laugh, you know, and that's ultimately what we always look for whenever we will look for a film is to give us that type of feel and emotion and the feeling going on throughout a movie and the type of thing that, um, you know, drives us to want to watch movies as it is, you know, is to uh, express emotion. These movies that I have listed all do that for me, you know. They're all funny. They're all very – they can be serious at times, but ultimately they're all funny movies and they're very good feel-good movies, so – If you have yet to see any of those, I would recommend giving that a listen. Um, But yeah, with that being said, guys, that's going to conclude my top five favorite baseball movies, I guess, essentially top ten. Like I said, Eight Men Out was very close to making the cut as well. Um, I think that's a really good movie as well. Um, And then also, let me know also if you guys have any other favorites, you know. Same thing as goes for the uniforms, let me know what your favorite movie is. Or hit me up on social media and let me know what your favorite movie is. I'd really be intrigued to know and um, know your guys' thoughts on these type of things. Um, But with that being said, y'all, we're going to get right into uh, the NL Central breakdown. You know, we got a division that was basically a two-team race. This last season, with the Brewers and Cardinals taking it, are taking it down to the wire. Um, five games separating these guys, very close battle all the way to the end. Um, but yeah, uh, Brewers ended up winning the division ninety uh, with ninety five wins, sixty seven losses, and then the Cardinals came in second at ninety wins and seventy two losses. The Reds came in third at eighty three and seventy nine. Cubs came in fourth at seventy one and ninety one and the Pirates ultimately came up at the bottom going 61 and 101. Oof. 101 losses, that's a rough one to go by. Um but with that being said, we're going to get started with the Pittsburgh Steel- or Pittsburgh Steelers, excuse me. Pittsburgh Pirates. Um you know, like I said, they didn't do very high last year and honestly, I don't see that trend really taking a turn um this season. At least I don't think that they're going to be a team that's competing. I think they're just a team that needs to just continue to rebuild. You know, they got some guys up here such as Brian Reynolds, Hayes. um, You know, they got some talent up here that they can build around. I think they have um, took a step in the right direction as far as just trading off guys and being able to get guys back for them. And and I think they're just going to continue to do that, to be honest with you. I think they have a guy um, in the bullpen right now, David uh, Bender. That's um, a guy that they can sell on, you know. I think that he doesn't stay with the Pirates for long. I think that's a guy that the Pirates eventually are going to move off of and use as a trade piece to go and get more prospects because I think that's what this team needs to do is just continue to rebuild, continue on the the trend you're going on, um, and just getting prospects back for the future, you know, and building able to build this team to be competitive here in the near future. Um, I see Brian Reynolds' name tossed around in a lot of trade rumors. I'm gonna go ahead and shut that down. That is probably not going to happen. Um, and if it doesn't I'll be absolutely shocked and be taken back once again. Um, like they as a trade that's gonna go backfire on him, such as the Chris Archer trade where the Rays got Shane Baz, uh Tyler Glass now, and Austin Meadows for Chris Archer. Like, that's the type of reaction I'm going to have from that. Um, The fact of the matter is that you trade away three superstars already on one team for a guy that's still struggling to kind of find a job right now. Not saying Chris Archer is an elite pitcher because that's not what I'm saying. Um, I think he still is a great pitcher. I think he's going to be good for whatever team he goes on. But I'm saying that he's not that type of caliber player that they once traded him to be. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Um, But I think Brian Reynolds... Is gonna stay a Pittsburgh Pirate. Um, after coming off the of last season, he had 302 and 646 at bats, had 24 bombs. I think he's a focal point around this Pirates club. I think this is a guy that you're gonna build around. Um, same as uh, Brian Haynes, you know, he's another guy came off a rookie year last year, hit 257 and 396 at bats. You know, not eh, he got he had an okay. I think he had an okay rookie year. You know, for him being a rookie. I'm not going to fault those numbers anymore. I think he's going to take a step in the right direc- direction this next year. Um, I can definitely see him batting anywhere near 260s, probably to 260s to 270s range, and being able to play a role for this Pirates team as well. Um, like I said, this is just a team that just needs to continue to rebuild and be sure to make the right moves that ultimately benefit them. You know, That's the biggest thing is being able to make a move and – You know, and you never know, you know, especially when training for prospects. You never know who's going to pan out, who isn't going to pan out. And, you know, you can't use a crystal ball and see these kids' futures. That's one thing you can't do. So, uh, but with the Pirates, I definitely think that they need to just continue to rebuild and um, be able to trust their farm system and develop your players. With that being said, I do think that they have a guy um, for the one weakness I do see in this team is a second baseman. I think this team can use still a second baseman as well as an outfitter. And I think I have two guys that I could definitely come up and help this team here in the near future. Um, and that's Nick Gonzalez. You know, he's the number fourth ring prospect right now. He's listed as a second baseman. And he's a guy that just hits. You know, he just gets on base. They drafted him in 2020. Um, and he continued uh, He continued a season that he came off of in a shortened season with New Mexico uh, in New Mexico. And in the short the COVID year, he had 448 in 16 games in, um, during the COVID year. And then he continued that trend and in being invited to go play in the Cape Cod League, where all the best prospects and would-be prospects, college uh, college talent, all gathers together and, and plays at. And he even translated his skills there, where he hit 351 and had a 451 on-base percentage. You know, and I, and then from there on out, he got drafted and continued that trend. Still in the pros, hitting 302 with a 350, uh, 385 on on-base percentage. So this guy just continues to hit the cover off the ball no matter where he's at. You know, put him against the best of the best, he's going to continue to hit. You know, New Mexico State, short in season, still hit the cover off the ball. Comes to the pros, 80 games, hits the cover off the ball. So I think this is a guy that... You gotta trust. You gotta trust to move up and let him get his feet wet. The, wet in the pros, um, get him up here, get him accustomed to them. Will be type of atmosphere and um, pitching because I think he's another guy that you can build around Reynolds and Hayes and be able to b- make a good ball club. Just bring piece by piece up, let him get their feet wet, let him get up, get him up here, and just let him play. You know, ultimately that's what it is. Just letting these guys play. And then um, another guy I got is a guy I had the pleasure of sharing the field with. He is a Pirates number twenty three prospect, Matt Frazier. Um, I got I had the pleasure of playing with Maddie um, at Clovis North High School back when I was in high, um, back when I was playing at Clovis North. Um, this guy is probably one of the most natural athletes I think I've ever seen. Um, Gets great reads off the bat, you know, covers so much ground in the outfield. Has a pretty good arm, um, fast has a great plate discipline, you know, he'll draw his walks, he'll get on base, and recently he's he's shown to be hit the long ball here in this last season. Um, but, you know, even when I was facing him in air squads, there's not a time where I would face him that he wouldn't make uh, adjustments pitch by pitch. And I knew this guy, I knew Matt was special, you know. I mean, same with his brother. Him and his brother always had great plate discipline and knew how to make in-game adjustments when needed. But Maddie was just something special. Maddie was something different to where, you know, you can throw him a fastball and he'll, you know, maybe foul it back to the backstop or um, be late on it. But I guarantee you he's not gonna be late on this next one. You throw him another one, he's gonna be on it, he's gonna be ready. Um, you know, just one of the most naturally gifted guys I ever got to pleasure of sharing the field with. Like I said, covering covering ground, I can't tell you how many times I would get barreled up, you know, and as a lot of pitchers would see a ball barreled up heading into the gap and you'd probably be busting butt towards the line, being able to ready, ready to back up a base. Not me. <laughs> back in the high school, I'd let a, get a ball barreled off me into the gap. And I would put my head down and with two outs, I'd put my head down and continue to walk to the line, go to the dugout because I knew the inning was over because I knew Maddie was going to get to it. I knew he was going to make the out. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he provides that type of confidence on the offload to where, you know, you know, the plays that shouldn't be routine are gonna be routine. And he's continued to showcase that. I think that's why he's he's earned a twenty-three uh rank prospect ranking. It's because of that. Um but the pirates drafted him back in twenty nineteen with their third round selection, I believe it was. And uh coming out of University of Arizona in seventy-five games in high A ball this last year, he had twenty home runs and had a three-fourteen. Batting average with a 401 on-base percentage. And then I earned him another call up uh, to Double A, where he did not slow down. In 37 games, he hit 288 and had an on-base percentage of 356. Like I said, Matt's going to hit, and he's going to do everything he can because he's a competitor. You know, Ever since I when I got the pleasure of playing with him, that's what you saw. He didn't like to lose, and he was going to go out there and compete, no matter what the score was or what the situation may have been. And he's continuing that same trend. Into the pros, you know, and I wish him nothing but the best. With that being said, Matt, we're going to be rooting for you, brother. Um, Good luck this next season. Once season does start, um, good luck and go ball out. We'll be rooting for you. With that being said, y'all, that's going to lead us into now discussing the Cubs. You know, and when discussing this team, this was a team I really didn't know what to make of. You know, they've had um, some things go on. You know, obviously they cleaned house last year. Um, last season, sorry, with training away Bryant, training away all those guys that they had, you know. And this is a team where I think they're just gonna they're gonna have to make something happen, you know. Um, one thing I've seen lately is that I've seen Carlos Correa's name um, pop up for the for the Cubs, and for me, I think this makes a lot of sense, you know. And I think I can definitely see Carlos Correa coming to the Cubs only because I think. With Nico Horner, he has that flexibility to where he can go to the outfield. So I think if you bring in Correa to come in and play shortstop, pair him next to Nick Madrigal, I think that provides this club's team a whole different look. Because Nick Madrigal is pretty dang solid. You know, he has a great bat, gets on base as fast as heck, he still bases. And then you got Carlos Correa who plays shortstop. You got Nico Horner who goes to the outfield. Now that's chase up the outfield to where. You know, you can do whatever you want there. You know, you still got Wilson Contreras, you got Ian Happ, you got Ortega, uh, Jason Hayward, excuse me. And, you know, this team is just, this team has a different look if you add a guy like Carlos Correa. If they don't get Carlos Correa, or maybe if they do even, why not? I don't see why a reunion with... Um, Kyle Schwarber would be out of the question. You know, I think Kyle Schwarber can come back in here, especially now with the universal DH. We talk about that being such a big thing, or at least I have talked about that being such a big thing in the game now because it changes the market for a lot of guys. Um, I think he's gonna guy that can come back into Chicago and be a bat for this Cubs team. You know, and be back in his old uniform like you, like you once was. You know, a nice reunion here in Chicago. I think that would be something good for the for the Cubs. Um, I like this team. I like this rotation. I like the bullpen already. I don't think there's. I mean, every team can use another bullpen arm, but I don't think necessarily the Cubs need to. I think they they can add one, but I don't think they need one. Um I'd like them to go out and get another another rotation arm. You know they did had a great start already with Marcus Stroman and bringing him in in 179 innings, he had a 3.02 ERA. I think that's a great start adding pairing him with Kyle Hendricks who had a little bit of a down year last year. I think he has a bounce back here this this year you added Wade Miley. I think you guys I think the Cubs should go out and go sign uh UC UC Kikuchi. It was once the pitcher for the Seattle Mariners. I think he's a guy that provides this team with a lot of upside. Um, he has that ace type of mentality coming from the Mariners where he was that ace, but coming over to Chicago, he doesn't have to do that anymore. So does that, we've talked about this before. Does that take the pressure off of you knowing you don't have to put up those to ace type numbers or does it kind of relax you to the sense to where you can just go on and pitch your game, you know, and maybe a different scenery can help him. Um, I don't know, but I think that was a guy that I wasn't looking over all this. I think that's a guy that strengthens that back end of the bullpen. I mean, not the bullpen, the rotation. Cuz now you got Kikuchi, you got Miley, you got Kendrick, you got Stroman. Yeah, four solid arms right there that can go out and give you innings and go give you a chance to win a ball club, you know, along with adding in, adding in those bats. And this Cubs team could shape out to be something, you know, if that if in fact that is something they go out and do um will they or not I don't know I don't know what their whole money situation looks like if they're willing to spend the money like that on a Carlos Correa or even a Kyle Schwarber I don't know but I do think Kikuchi is a guy that's probably more likely in play in play for the Cubs to go out and sign um I don't think he's going to be looking for a a big contract just because he came off of a year to where he didn't have the greatest numbers Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if he asked for a very average contract. Um, He has yet to show that ace type of mentality that he had from Japan. So I think that's a guy that could definitely come up with the Cubs and be able to provide a presence in that rotation. Another guy that I think can have a presence in this rotation that we haven't been able to see is uh, Braylon Marquez. You know, He's a left-handed prospect. He's our number two prospect right now. And he's a guy that has been up near triple digits with his fastball. We have yet to really been able to see him. Um due to him getting COVID, I believe, during the COVID year, and then he had a shoulder strain that took him a while to recover from when building back his arm. He had a little bit of trouble there. Um but he's been up to triple digits. He has a ninety-six to ninety-eight fastball um with average depth, with good depth on his curveball and changeup, you know, and I think this is a guy that can come up and Provide the Cubs with maybe a fifth. Uh, give if you bring him up and you give him a chance, bring him up and be that fifth rotation arm. You know, put him behind these veterans that know what they're doing. Let him learn from them, and get him up there and just to see what he can do. You know, he's your number two prospect for a reason. You got to give him that chance to be able to grow and do something special for you guys. So I think that's something. I think that's why I said it. I think these Cubs, this Cubs team is just very intriguing because you can go a whole lot of different directions with this team, and. It's just a matter of what they want to do. What do they want to seek out and do? Do they want to be competitive or do they want to kind of sit back and kind of see what they get from certain guys and then maybe next year go out and do – make a big splash somewhere? I don't know. Excuse me. I had to take a drink of water again. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Uh, like I said, this Cubs team is just very interesting. I like Nick Madrigal. I really am excited to see the type of year he gets – um, he's definitely going to be one of my fantasy pickups this next year, um, just because I know what he can provide on the what the bat. You know, this guy is just an on base machine. He doesn't get out. So if you're looking for a second baseman to nab, probably late rounds. If you're fantasy baseball players, definitely go seek Nick Madrigal, and I will tell you you will not regret it, unless of course he gets hurt again. Which let's not hope for that because I do not wish injury on anyone. So, um, but yeah, Nick Madrigal is definitely um, someone I'm very excited to watch again this next year. Ultimately seeing, too, with the whole college career thing, seeing what happens there. Um, like I said, I'm it's just a, I'm kind of, a, I want this lockout to end just so we can get, we get, think about it this way. If this lockout ends, we get free agency back. We get to see all the craziness go on while spring training is going on. You know, we get a whole lot of fun once this lockout ends, and I'm just hoping they can reach an agreement. Um, like I said, maybe uh, as I'm recording this, um, there's still in negotiation talk, so I'm hoping by the time this comes out, we have an agreement. So we'll see what goes on. Um, deadline's approaching, um, so let's see what we can do, see if we can get this lockout to end. Maybe it ends while I'm, while I'm recording this episode right now. That would be cool, be able to break it here on on the episode um but yeah no I'm very interested in seeing what this Cubs team can do um like I said I don't see them really being able to make a big splash this year unless they do those things I think if they do then this team is very interesting to watch in this near future um but it's just a matter to see what they do next up we are going to talk about the Cincinnati Reds you know they went 83 and 79 this last year I'm going to be honest with you guys. I do not see them having another year like that. Um, I think these guys are sellers. I think they're going to be selling and going into not necessarily rebuild mode because they don't have like a full team to necessarily rebuild. I think they're going to go into a reload mode and to where they're, they they got to let go of some guys to be able to get some guys back in. Um, I think one of the guys that I think they need to let go of is honestly Mike Mustakis. I think that guy has a big salary. And is getting paid a whole lot of money for, honestly, very minimum production. In um, 206 at-bats last year, he had 208, had a 282 on-base percentage. Um, I mean, if I'm paying this man as much as I am, I got to get more production there. I He's 33, so, I mean, he's not quite up there in age to where he can be like, oh, well, he's getting up there in age, and he's kind of older to where... He can't really produce? Not really. I mean, this guy's 33. I mean, he's still pretty decently young come to baseball standards. And, you know, I think there's still a lot of baseball there to be played for him. It's just a matter of him being able to play to that potential. Um, I like this rotation as of right now. However, I do feel like they're going to sell on Luis Castillo or Sonny Gray. I don't know if both get dealt. I can see both getting dealt. Um, but I don't think the Reds are willing to lose that much in their rotation. Um, I do see one of these guys getting dealt. I think the most likely suitor and the guy that's probably going to get dealt and most talked about is Luis Castillo. Um, only because his name has been tossed around so much already in this past two years during COVID and then during this last season, even trade deadline, there were teams in talks with him or in talks with the Reds about trading for him. Uh, luckily, I mean, unfortunately, there was no trade out there that really drew the Reds' attention. But, I mean, if they're going to continue to listen to talks, I wouldn't be shocked if something here soon surfaces. And they go out and make a deal. I mean, he's a young pitcher still. He's 29 years old. And I think the best is still yet to come for him. I think he's going to have a great year this next year. Um, He pieced together a pretty decent year this last year. Had uh, had 187 innings. Had a three nine eight ERA. You know, and he figured out late in the year. Uh, late in the year, beginning of the year, he really struggled. I think at deadline he had like a four. I could be wrong. He had like upwards of a four ERA. And I heard all these trade rumors. I was like, I don't know if anyone's really willing to give you a whole lot uh, for a guy with a four ERA to come in and be a role guy, a big time arm for a lot of contending teams. <laughs> and I think that's why the Reds didn't trade him because. I think they saw the type of value he was going to prov- like providing at the time to where they wanted to wait and wait for him to build that back up. And I think he did that, trending in the right direction at the end of last season to where now they can actually go out and get um, the type of value that they want for him. I think there's a team out there that's going to pay the right price for him. Um, I think the same goes for Mir Garrett. I think there are a lot of teams out there that need a bullpen arm, and I can see them selling on him who... They could sell him because he had a bad year last year. You know, he had 47 innings thrown. He had and he had a 6.04 ERA. You know, and that's definitely not a mere Garrett. I mean, when you hear that name, you probably think of the raw rawness and the fights that he's been in. But I mean, that's just the competitor in him. I think, and um, you know, I think the Reds are going to sell him possibly and be able to try to see what they can get for him because they have another. They have a lot of other bullpen arms here, as in Art Warren, Luis Sessa and Lucas Sims, that they don't necessarily need Amir Garrett, Amar, Amir, Garrett, and they have Justin Wilson. I don't remember if they just signed him or if he was there last year, Um, but that's a lefty that can come in and replace Amir and be able to take those innings away. Um, But also, I mean, you have a young guy waiting in the wings um, for that rotation. If you do decide to get rid of Luis Castillo, you have Hunter Green leading into a prospect watch. Hunter Green has been talked about ever since he got drafted, honestly. Um, he was upper nineties back when he got drafted. Now he's ninety eight to one hundred and two. Um, he's a guy that lights up the radar gun. He has he's six five. This guy's so lengthy, um, and he's just a guy that I think the whole entire world has been waiting to see up in the majors. And I think if I think that's ultimately why the Reds are willing to sell in Luis Castillo because they know they have Hunter Green waiting in the wings to come up. And I think the Reds just as much as we are chomping at the bit to get him up there. Um, he's battled some health concerns as of recently, but he's fully healthy, and he's ready to come back to show what he can do. And I can see Hunter Green either winning a job if we get a spring training or he goes out and is able to ball out the minor league level and then gets a job later on in the year. Um, that's definitely something I can see as well. So with the Reds, like I said, I don't see them being as competitive as what they were these past few years because I think they're just in that spot to where – they need to figure out what they have and be able to know where we need to build, what p- pieces we need to build around. Um, who do we need to build around? What are we going to do with Joey Votto in the future? He's 38, um, still a decent hitter, but what are we going to do once he's done? You know, we got Suarez. Um, you got Mustakis who's on a deal. You know, like, what are we going to do? You know, and I think that's where the Reds are at, just trying to figure out where they're at as a ball club in a hole and, um, yeah, you know, I think it'd be really interesting to see what they do and um who these guys will tell me to go to. What are they gonna do? Um, but with that being said, y'all, we're gonna jump right in to the St. Louis Cardinals. And for me, this is probably my favorite to win the central. Um only because of this team. I mean, you look at this team, you got Tommy Edman, you got Paul Goldschmidt, you got Tyler O'Neill, you got Nolan Arenado, Dylan Carlson, Yachty. Paul DeYoung, um, Harrison Bader, Edmondo Sosa, like there's a lot of good names on this on this team. And you know, and I think last year was kind of a year to where honestly teams should have been thankful that Nolan had a bad year, because he did. And 653 at bats, he had 34 bombs, but had a 255 batting average. That is not Nolan Arenado type numbers. I mean the home runs, don't get me wrong, are great. Having thirty four, listen to the, as these pro, this projected on fan graphs. Your two, three, and four. Your two hitter, Paul Goldschmidt, had thirty one bombs. Your three hitter, Tyler O'Neill, had thirty four bombs, and then Nolan Arenado had thirty four bombs. I mean, talk about freaking power out of your two, three, and four hitters. I mean, but the only difference is Goldschmidt hit two ninety four, and Tyler O'Neill hit two eighty six. Imagine if Nolan Arenado hit near that type of average. This Cardinals team is completely different, and to be honest, I think this team is my front runner because Nolan Reimannato is not going to have that same type of year again. I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of this, at the end of the season, he is in the talks for NL MVP. I'm going to say that now. I will get into my way too early, uh, NL MVP, AL MVP, and all that coming up in a. Later episode once we get all this breakdown stuff done, but Nolan Arenado, I think, he can come back and be a top ten player in this in the major leagues, because I think this is I think he had a down year, and I think he's going to come back with the vengeance. I can see him be having another uh, big year with the homers and the average. I think that he puts it all together this next year, and then with this rotation, you got the ageless wonder Adam Wainwright, you got Jack Flaherty, you got Steven Matz, Dakota Hudson, um, Miles. Mikolas, I think is how you pronounce it. I don't know. Um, my buddy Micah, who listens, is probably going to come and correct me on that one. <laughs> but um, I mean this this rotation is really good as well, you know. And um, you know, you got Wainwright, who, like I said, is the ages Angels' wonder. Does it. He's forty years old and still is providing you with the two hundred and six innings and a three ERA. Like, who's doing that? Um, you got Jack Flaherty, the kid, coming in and. Putting up 3.22 ERAs, 78 innings. I think he had an injury last year that kind of hurt him a little bit. He missed a couple starts. Um, you got Steven Mass. Like I said, this this, this rotation is really good. Um, you got this bullpen who's pretty solid. You know, you got Gallegos. You got um, who hurts a little bit because he was a Yankee prospect. You got Reyes. You know, you got Cabrera. Hell's like this uh, hit uh, Hicks. You know, you got a lot of good guys in this team and a lot of fireballers that can come in and be able to get outs, you know. And I think that's big for this Cardinals bullpen. Um, I do think that they can use a bullpen arm. Um, that is one thing in this team I think they can use. Um, I, th- I can see them going to get a bullpen arm. I'm not sure who. That's one thing I could not put a finger on. Um, I thought Orion Tapera probably would fare kind of decently in this bullpen um be able to sure up that that setup role and be able to provide some comfort there um but other than that I, I mean I really don't have much for this team like I said other than a bullpen um this team I think all around is just solid I think this team it has a good makeup and it's going to make a run for the title again this next this next year because of Nolan Arenado in the year that he's going to have Goldschmidt had that same type year I think um in the COVID year had a down year I want to say let me see let me look at what he hit in 2020 because I know he had – oh, nope, I was wrong there. Um, It was his first year he had in San Louis, He had 260. He had 260 in 2019. That next year, COVID year, he had 304. This last year, he had 294. And, I, and let me check Aaron Noto real quick. I want to see how long he's been out there because, honestly, I don't remember. I want to say this was just his last uh, – wasn't this his first full year? This last year with the Cardinals, I want to say this was his first full season. Let me double check that, though. Yeah, see, this was um, in 2020. This was his first full season, you know, and he had come, came off a year with the Cardinals or the Rockies to where he wasn't doing much either. But I, I think it's similar as Paul Goldschmidt, you know, having that different scenery and being able to come in from a different team, getting your. Feet settled in, you know, getting accustomed to a new type of team, the new type of environment. It's a little different, um, you know. So hitting two fifty five, I think that's similar to Paul Goldschmidt's down here that he had as well. Um, so like I said, be, be on the watch for Nolan Arenado because I think he's going to come back with a vengeance this next year. And that's why they're my favorite to win the division. Um, that's probably my front runner and that is probably my pick for the division winner. Um, but with that, let's jump into the division winners from last season. The Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, the Brewers went ninety five and sixty seven, and they haven't lost much. You know this team is still really good. You know you got Colton Wong, you got Willie Adonis, you got Christian Yelich, Renfro, who they just, uh, they just made a trade with the Red Sox for. Uh, Roddy Talese, Luis Urias, Omar Norarez, Lorenzo Cain, Tyrone Taylor. Like this team has a pretty good makeup. Um, I think the biggest thing for this Brewers ball club. Same thing as the Cardinals, you know. They both have superstars that had down years last year. However, the Cardinals have a little bit more star power to where they have that Tyler O'Neill in that Paul Goldschmidt to where the Brewers they have Lorenzo Cain who hit 257 last year, you know, and then but that front two, those top two guys are the guys that you're going to rely on to back up Christian Yelich and Renfro hitting behind him, but. Yellow's is the biggest part and biggest key piece in this and the success of the Brewers because the thing is, is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to stay healthy for a full season and be able to re- provide you with the numbers that you know he can? Is he going to hit for that high power? Is he going to hit those bombs? Are he going to hit 25, 30 bombs? Is he going to be able to hit a 280 to 290 average and get on base and be able to do all these things for you? Or is he going to be injury prone? You know, That's the thing that the Brewers have to have to. Figure it out, and that's going to be the key to the success for the Brewers because this rotation is pretty good. You got three a three headed monster at your rotation. You got Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta, who are all absolute studs. You know, you got Corbin Burns, one hundred sixty seven innings, at two point four three ERA. Um, Woodruff, uh, one hundred and seventy nine innings, at two point five six ERA. Peralta, one hundred and forty four innings, two point eight one ERA. You know, you got guys in this rotation that can go out and absolutely shove. And then you look at this bullpen. (laughs) Please do not break. Go breaking your hand when celebrating again because your bullpen is actually really, really good. Um, You know, you got Devin Williams, you got uh, Josh Hader, you got Sutter, you got Cousins. You know, you got guys in this bullpen that can go out and shove too. Like you have the makeup of a great team to go out and win ball games, but it's just you got to have that production and be able to put your guys in the best situation to get these guys out there. You know, don't go punching walls when you're celebrating because that's going to hurt you in the long run. (laughs) But you know, every time I hear that, I'm like, what were you thinking in that that mindset? What made you go punch a wall? Devin Williams, (laughs) you were that excited. Like I get the excitement. I do. I get all that stuff, but punching a wall and breaking your hand, buddy. I don't know about all that. Um, But you know what I mean though? But with this Brewers (laughs) baseball club, like, they're really good, and I think they can have another great year. But it's all depending on what Christian Yelich is going to do. Can Christian Yelich get back to who he was? Can he provide this team with that upside? Is he going to be able to get you 500 at bats? Um, you know, there's just a lot of question marks here. Um, you know, and this the team's weakness. I think for myself um, is looking over that phrase at first base spot. I don't think Rowdy uh, Talese... Is that first baseman for him, you know? And he hits two forty two, and that's pretty much what he's hit his whole career. He's, he's always been that kind of up and down hitter. He's never been a really big average hitter, and I think that's what this team needs. You know, they need guys that get on base, and um, you know, a quick fix. I don't want to say it's a quick quick fix because I don't know what you are going to get from him. Um, but I think a guy like Colin Moran, who's a third a third baseman first baseman from the Pittsburgh Pirates who's in free agency right now. <clears throat> I don't see why you don't take the chance on him. I don't see why you bring him in, don't bring him in, and just see what he can give you. You know, he's shown flashes flashes of being good. You know, he hit two seventy, two eighty with the Astros and the Pirates when he first came up. Um, but being in Pittsburgh, I think Moran just kind of got tired with the scenery, knowing that you're not going to be competitive and you're still in a rebuild process. Um. But like I said, if you – I mean, scenery can elevate someone's game, and I think if you bring in Moran, I think he can give you that type of boost at first base, potentially being in that division, knowing the division already. Um, I think he can have an upside year. I think he's a quick fix to where if Taliz doesn't work out, you have Moran. You can plug in there and just kind of see what he can do. Maybe he can catch fire and put together a a really good season to where he hits 270. Gives you a couple bombs. Um, provides some offense for you, you. Know plays a solid defense. Um, is able to step in and be able to roll. Uh, be able to be a role guy for you. Um, I think that's a guy they can even even take a look at. Um, but leaning into their prospects, I have a guy that you know stole <laughs> stole a lot of baseball players' crush. You know, their TikTok star that stole every single baseball player's heart. Haley Cruz, her husband Garrett Mitchell, um, he's an absolute stud. You know, she married a a pretty dang good baseball player. <laughs> um, draft pick out of UCLA. You know, this guy can absolutely rake. Tears the cover off the bat and or tears the cover off the ball. Sorry, um, but with this team? The thing is with him, um, he just got he was recently drafted during COVID. Um, but the thing with him is just I don't know where he's gonna fit in this ball club because he's the number one prospect and his ETA is 2022. The thing is with that, though, if he's expected C to be up in the pros is 2022, where's he going to play? Because you have Lorenzo Cain out in center field, you have Yelich in left, and you have Hunter Renfro on right. You know, maybe you can move Renfro down to play first base. I know Renfro played first base um, a couple times with the Red Sox. Um but I even went in and looked at a lot of these guys' positions and been like, yeah, maybe they can. Maybe one of these guys have played first base somewhere down the line. Nope. None of them have ever played a lick in the infield. So I don't know if Mitchell has any experience playing the infield. Um, but he's 6'3". He has a very tall frame. Um, he has good speed, and he can cover the outfield really, really well. He has a good arm. Like I said, he can hit. That's what this team needs is a guy that can hit. So I wonder if maybe they test the waters and kind of see what he can do at first base, you know, knowing that long maybe in the knowing in the long run he's going to play outfield, maybe you can platoon him. Um, I don't know if the Brewers are really willing to take that chance on Mitchell to try to play first base, but I, I mean, if I'm the Brewers and I want to stay competitive and still make a run at the division, I think this, I think that's a thing, something you got to experiment with, kind of just see how it goes, see if it can work. Um, if it doesn't, it doesn't. Then you, at least you know you got a future superstar waiting in the wings. Once one of these guys is done, like a Lorenzo Cain is done and he hangs it up, but um, I think it's worth a shot. I mean, if you're Mitchell, if I'm in Mitchell's shoes, um, knowing this ball club and knowing the outfitters that are on it, not saying that I can't go out and steal a job because as a competitor myself, I would be kind of hard headed, knowing I got I go win a job um, in the outfield, but. If I'm looking at myself and I'm like, hey, if I can go play in the majors and my only chance of doing that is playing first base, I kind of got to be open to making that switch because knowing myself, that's the ultimate goal is getting up to the big club, right? So why not not try to take, I'm not saying take one for the team, but give yourself and the team the best chance to win and go out and make a sacrifice and maybe try out first base and just kind of see what happens. You know, not saying that's going to be your position in the long run going forward, because I think they know they know exactly what you provide to them in the outfield. But I think for the time being, you got to test the waters out there in first base and kind of just give it a look, because that's your only way I think I can see Garrett Mitchell making this club in this year, Um, unless maybe they bring him up and replace Lorenzo Cain or someone. I don't know. Um, But with this Brewers ball club, I really like it. I think they have a lot of chance. A lot of potential to be really, really good. Um, like I said, this rotation is good. bullpen's good. It's just a matter of what you're going to get from Jelic, um and the type of production you're going to get from the rest of this lineup. Um, but, guys, with that being said, moving right along here, um, I'm going to go straight into my division winner. And I think speaking off of what I did, I got the Cardinals winning this division. I think this team is just too put together to not win. And like I said, if Nato is able to come back and be able to produce a very MVPS-type season, like I think he will, the Cardinals are going to be in the playoffs, no doubt. I think they're going to be able to make it and be able to be very successful um, with this team because this team can hit. I think this team is going to have a great offensive year, and this bullpen and rotation is just going to have just as good of a year. So and with Nato hitting... If he's hitting and it was hot, I think this team easily gets 95 wins. Um, and I think that's going to be enough to win the division. I can see them finishing anywhere in the 97 win mark um, if Nato gets to that potential. And um, that's going to be more than enough to win this division. I see the Brewers maybe being right behind there at the 95-94 range, depending on what they get from Jelic. Um, so we'll see. I think this is going to be a very tight race to the end. Um, but, yeah. So I got the Cardinals being my division winner. And guys, we're coming, we're coming up at the near end, so stick with me. Um, you know, you guys, thank you guys for sticking with me this long. I know it's been how how far are we into this recording? I don't even know how much how far are we into this right now because I kind of been just been looking at my notes. We're an hour and 20 minutes into this thing, guys. So bear with me. We're almost done. Um, thank you guys if you guys have been here this long. Um, to close it out, as we wrap it up, I'm gonna do the guess, the player, as we have in past episodes. So this guy that I'm gonna read you off has played for the Angels, the Cardinals, the Blue Jays, the Diamondbacks, and the Padres. He is a two star, two time All Star. He's been in two World Series, and he was World Series MVP in one of those years. And he is not the tallest fellow. He's 5'6". If that helps out, he played shortstop and second base. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit, um, reuse, read you some of his career numbers. Uh, his career batting average is 280. In his 10 years of playing, had a, playing he had a, th- a .345 on base percentage and made two All-Star games, like I had mentioned. So, if you can guess this guy, I would be very shocked. But this is one of my guys that I always looked, I always liked playing with in video games. You know, I played with the Angels a couple times um, back when it was two K six, and you had cho- oh, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't have said that name because I could have used that one. But you had Chony Figgins, uh, this guy, and you had a couple other guys on that ball club during that two K six video game that I loved to play with. Golly, Chony Figgins, who remembers that name? I doubt very many of you guys remember that name. I only remember him only because I played, like I said, 2K6 all the time. And I would play with the Angels. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, I think he's more known, this guy's more known for his career with the Cardinals and what he was able to do for them. Um, And with that being said, the player's David Eckstein. You know, the guy was 5'6", 170 pounds, and he provided a lot of punch. You know, he did not let his height affect him. Went out, played the game hard, played the game right, and was a hustler on and off the field. You know, he did the right things right. Being at 5'6", he knew he had the odds stacked against him. He didn't let it bother him. He still went out there and made a great career for himself. And he's probably one of my favorite players to watch, and or was one of my favorite players to watch uh, whenever the Cardinals were on. You know, and um, he was a great, I uh, believe he was a part of, did they win the World Series? I believe they won the World Series, didn't they? If I'm not mistaken, I thought they won the World Series. Yeah, yeah, they had to have. If he won World Series MVP, um, he won a World Series, and, and uh, had a great career. Um, but yeah, with that, guys, that's gonna do it for me in this episode of Bullpen Rose. Thank you guys for sticking with me this long. I know I can't be easily listening to me ramble on for an hour and twenty minutes, but thank you guys for t- sticking with me and. Continue, guys, to show me support. Thank you, guys. I appreciate and love all you guys. I appreciate you guys always listening in, tuning in every Tuesday, and listening to me. Um, Be sure to look out for a TikTok. I will be out with one of those this week. Um, I unfortunately was not able to get two out last week like I had said I was going to. Hope you guys enjoyed the one I did put out. Um, If you guys like that, let me know. Go like up the one I made. And then. just show some love to it. Show some love to TikTok. Go let the. Go give all the boys a follow on their socials, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. All of our socials are out there. If you click on, I believe, um, go to my personal profile, Matt22Contreras, you look, click on my Instagram, it will take you to my the link tree for the show. And the show will take you to our link trees of all of our social medias to where you can follow Shay, Sam, Owen, Tim, all of us. Everyone that's a part of BDL, all of our socials are there, so be sure to go give that a follow. If you're not already, go and follow the BDL TikTok. Boys Don't Lie, the podcast TikTok. We put content, we're trying to put content out every day as much as we can. Um, Life is still getting to us to where we're kind of a little bit busy. Some of us are able to get it out, some of us aren't. So we're trying to get you guys as much content as we can. Um, Go listen to all the guys' shows coming out this week. Um, You got the one of one, you got the mansion, you got the BDL, you have um, Owen show with Tim and Owen, you know, there's a lot, we got a lot of great shows for a lot of different people on this channel, Um, so be sure to continue listening guys, we appreciate it a lot, with that being said, y'all have a great rest of your day, afternoon, night, whenever you guys listen to this, have a great rest of your day, I love y'all, appreciate y'all, God bless and thank you.